0: It is uh, good to open the Word of God with you this morning, so uh, however you prefer, uh, you can be turning to Revelation chapter 18 this morning. Uh, This is our 21st week in Revelation and our 97th week in the series that we have been uh, tracing the gospel from one cover uh, to the next, and so we are almost to the next. As you are turning there, uh, just uh, a couple of announcements. Uh, be in prayer for uh, Miss Levira Saunders' family. Um, some of them are with us here today, but uh, she passed away earlier this week, and that funeral is Tuesday, so uh, be sure to keep them in your prayers as they just deal with their loss. Uh, secondly, some of you know Brother uh, Charlie Costa. He is uh, a missionary in our association in the country of Lebanon, way over overseas, uh, while he has connections all over the world, one of those connections is in the state of California uh, at a, uh, a, an Arabic-speaking church in Montecito, California. Uh, they recently lost their pastor to COVID. I think that was back in November. And so Charlie has been pastoring this church in California from Lebanon. So, I mean, you can imagine how difficult that is. Um, so he has asked us to kind of begin to be in a, somewhat of a, a partnership with this Arabic-speaking church in Montecito. And uh, that would begin by, uh, they've invited us to come, invited me and Jessica to come in and teach at a, at a conference uh, over Memorial Day weekend. Uh, you know, uh, Jesus taught, told us to go into all the world, and um, by what I've heard of California, it kind of seems like a foreign country to me at this point, you know. But um, some people are able to go, and some people are able to send, and so that's the the ministry opportunity that I that I present to you this morning. Uh, the cost to send Jessica and I will be about twenty five hundred dollars, and so uh, if the Lord leads you to give to that cause, uh, that is an opportunity for you. Uh, so back to uh, Revelation eighteen. Uh, we still have a lot of, of questions as far as uh, the, the details of the, this conference, but um, looking forward to the opportunity. So back to Revelation 18. We have seen uh, recently the seven bowls of the wrath of God poured out on the earth in judgment. Uh, the last time we were here in, in Revelation, we were introduced to a woman dressed in scarlet, sitting on a scarlet beast. Now, we know that scarlet represents sin, and chapter 17 tells us, the first blank on your outline on the back of your bulletin, uh, that this woman represents Babylon. She represents Babylon, and this is going to be important, pertinent information uh, in our reading today as well. Babylon represents everything that is quintessentially evil, a complete rebellion towards the things of God, an adoption of the things of Satan. Babylon, we have seen, is the religious system of the Antichrist. And so a question that I need to ask myself often. Is there anything in my life that would be considered rebellion toward God or acceptance towards the things of Satan? Is there anything in my life? Because if there is, I can guarantee God is trying to get my attention on it to make changes towards holiness. This scarlet woman is in stark contrast to the bride of Christ, uh, the the church. Jesus makes us holy and pure. And while we won't fully experience what that really means on this side of life, God still calls us to live lives of holiness as a reflection of him in us. Christ in us. We're to shine like lights. And so what we have seen, every evil Every hurt, every loss, every pain, even every regret. It can be traced back to the adopted lifestyle of Babylon. The adopted lifestyle of rebellion and sin towards the things of God. Sin always leads to brokenness. And while there has been speculation... Throughout the years, on what nation exactly Babylon here represents, the truth is that any nation is capable of embracing this lifestyle, forgetting the one true God, putting wealth or military might or politics or anything else in his place, and blinded to follow the lie that Satan feeds us, as we can clearly see in our world today. Uh, That quote from Tim Mackey. Babylon's will come and go until the day Jesus comes and replaces them with his kingdom. Which is exactly what is happening in these chapters of Revelation that we have seen lately. His kingdom is coming. And his kingdom will one day see victory. The timeless truth still speaks today. If you want to see victory, you have to trust the Lamb. Because, verse 14, the Lamb will overcome them. For he is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. In today's passage, we see the Lamb's triumph as we hear five voices give five announcements. And so if you are able, out of respect for the word of God, please stand as we read chapter 18 in Revelation, just the first three verses. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon, the great, is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of wrath of her fornication, The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Thank you. You can have a seat. And so we see the first voice here in chapter 18 is the voice of condemnation. The voice of condemnation. We are told that it is a voice of an angel. Now, angels have become more visible in the narrative here uh, on the earth in these last days, uh, likely filling the void of God's people who are temples of the Holy Spirit being removed. And so if there is such a thing as an ordinary angel, this is not one of them. This angel has great authority. The earth, it says, was illuminated with his glory. Now, remember, the fifth bowl plunged the world into darkness so, like when you turn on the light in the middle of the night, man, everybody is going to notice. The, the entire world will notice when this angel appears. Everyone's attention will be on him and his message. Look at verse 2 again. Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. So remember... Babylon is everything quintessentially evil against God. And so this is the ultimate end for anyone who pursues that lifestyle. The word translated as fallen describes something that happens quickly. Just like that. God's hand of judgment will quickly come on those that it is against. They will be blindsided even though they were given warning after warning after warning. Through the grace of God, even though the grace of God continually reached out to them, their blindness has caused them to be completely exposed and completely unprepared. We see in verse 3, this fall will be for all nations. It says right there, all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury, as we've seen before. The sin of fornication here is probably referring to idolatry, especially when we read it in the context of the whole chapter. Idolatry is synonymous with Babylon. Now We know that every good and perfect gift comes from above. James 1.17 tells us that. But this passage makes it clear that not all wealth is a blessing from God. Satan can give wealth as well. Think about it. Uh, He offered wealth in the form of worldly kingdoms to Jesus. If Jesus would only bow down and worship him during the temptation in Matthew 4, verses 8 and 9. This is an offer that many people have taken. Wealth is one of the tools that Satan uses most in many parts of the world. Even though God told us that we cannot serve both him and money. Satan would like nothing more than the stuff that God has given us to take God's place. And so just like we need to ask the question often uh, about rebellion in our lives, is there any, are there any idols in our lives as well is another question that I, I often need to ask myself. Are there any subtle influences that would pull me away from the one true God? Because the Lord knows we are all capable of it Lord, give us hearts to serve you and not stuff and money Uh, jeremiah 51 the prophet wrote what is he wrote about what is spoken of here in revelation 18 listen to what he says flee from the midst of babylon everyone save his life do not be cut off in her iniquity for this is the time of the lord's vengeance he shall recompense her. Babylon was a golden cup in the Lord's hand that made all the earth drunk. The nations drank her wine. Therefore the nations are deranged. Babylon has suddenly fallen and has been destroyed. Wail for her. Now the immediate fulfillment of that prophecy was the physical uh, fall of Babylon in 539. BC. But the future fulfillment will be spiritual and it's spoken of here in Revelation. Babylon is fallen. It's the voice of condemnation. Number two is the voice of separation. The voice of separation. <clears throat> Look at verses 4 through 8. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, unless you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she has mixed, mix double for her. In the measure that she has glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen, I am no widow, I will not see sorrow. Therefore her plagues will come in one day. Death and mourning and famine. And she will utterly be burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. Notice there in verse 4. Come out of her, my people. It's another timeless call for us here today. Second Corinthians 6.18 says, Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. That's the same Lord who is strong there in Revelation. And notice Revelation 18, it lists a couple of reason, reasons to separate from the world. First is so God's people wouldn't share in her sins. The next blank's on your outline. So God's people wouldn't share in her sins. That word share means to have a joint partnership or fellowship. And what we see is we can have a a good partnership, fellowship with the Lord. And we can have a, a bad partnership with the things of the world, the fellowship with sin. But we cannot have them both. It just doesn't work that way. If we think that we can share in the sins of the world and then have sweet fellowship with Jesus, uh, we are sadly mistaken because it does not work that way. And church, there are many ways that we can share in sin, so to speak. So we need to ask ourselves another question. As one who claims to know Jesus, does my life look any differently from those who don't claim to know him? In every area. Because if it doesn't, there is a major disconnect between our heart and our actions. God calls us to be separate from the world by not sharing in their sins. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. But it means we're not okay with living in a lifestyle of sin. We're not okay with whatever goes everything is okay mindset. We're not okay with that because the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts in the midst of sin to get our attention and to call us out when we're living sinfully. God calls us to be separate. Secondly, so God's people wouldn't experience the plagues of judgment. So God's people wouldn't experience the plagues of judgment. See, we have seen throughout history that God has patiently endured the sins of Babylon for thousands of years. And now he will treat Babylon the way Babylon has treated him and his people. Specifically here, the next blanks on your outline, God is is punishing the sin of idolatry, as we've already seen. In verse 7, it's the sin of pride. Notice, she has glorified herself. Now we have have looked at Matthew 5 before, just uh, at Friends Day a few weeks ago. Remember, Jesus compares two kingdoms there, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth. In Revelation, we see the kingdom of heaven taking victory over the kingdom of earth. Remember that that kingdom of earth, it's all about me and giving into whatever my heart desires, doing whatever it takes to get whatever I want. This is further backed up by the phrase, Lived in luxury there in these verses. Which means living frivolously. The next blanks in your outline. Self-indulgence. And so this is describing someone who lives like stuff and pleasure are most important. See, the kingdom of earth is all about me. It too is synonymous with Babylon. But God calls us to be separate Separate yourselves from idolatry, pride, and self-indulgence. Separate yourselves from Babylon because its path leads to destruction, as we can see right here in Revelation 18. The kingdom of earth is all about me, but the kingdom of heaven is all about Jesus. Which one are we living? We've heard the voice of condemnation. We've heard the voice of separation. Number three is the voice of lamentation. The voice of lamentation. Now these are some long verses, so bear with me as we read. Verse 9. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her. When they see the smoke of her burning. Standing at a distance for fear of her torment. Saying, alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her. Follow along here. For no one buys their merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron, and marble. Verse 13. And cinnamon and incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, and sheep. Horses and chariots and bodies and souls of men. There are 29 things listed as best I can count there. Verse 14, the fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you and all the things which are, are rich and splendid have gone from you and you shall find them no more at all. The merchants of these things, who became rich by her, will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour, such great riches came to nothing. Every shipmaster Who, who, All who traveled by ship, sailors, and many as, as trade on the sea, stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What is like this great city? And they threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, the great city in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she has been made desolate. The word lament It means to mourn deeply, to show or express grief, sorrow, or regret. And so the image in this long paragraph is of a prosperous ancient city with many ships coming in day after day after day into port, making the life of luxury available to anyone who could afford it, importing and exporting valuables to all parts of the world. These 29 different commodities listed They cover pretty much every area of life. And so its collapse brings collapse to the world that it served. As connected as our world is today, we can see how easily this would happen. Probably now more so than just a few years ago. The word wail in this passage. It means to lament loudly. Now We've probably experienced someone in great loss that couldn't hold it in anymore, wailing loudly with grief. This will be on a worldwide scale. Not just one person, not just one family. And it's not so much that they're feeling sorry for the city, but they're feeling sorry for themselves, because everything they have lived for has been reduced to nothing. Notice it says, merchants weep. Kings weep in verses 17 and 18. Employees weep, sailors weep, captains weep, because in one hour, which is literally a brief moment, God's hand of judgment has come and they refused to heed the warnings of its coming. If you notice, it said three different times that they all stood at a distance, they didn't want to have any part. In Babylon's destruction. And so the message is this the next blanks on your outline. Separate yourselves from Babylon, or God will do it for you. Separate yourselves from Babylon, everything that is quintessentially evil, this rebellious lifestyle, or God will do it for you. One of these days, everyone who followed will stand at a distance. Not wanting to have anything to do with the judgment that comes with rebellion towards God. But by then, it will be too late. Today, it's not too late. But by then, it will be. So separate yourselves from Babylon, or God will. Church, it's a whole lot easier when something is handed off rather than ripped out of your hands. Isn't it? That's the difference here. When God lists all these 29 different commodities that make up the wealth of the world, I don't think that he's condemning wealth. Because every one of us would be considered wealthy compared to much of the world. But remember, not all wealth is God-given. And in Babylon, these are the things that people have lived for. These are the things that people have, have been controlled by. Worship of these things has led to a denial of God and ultimately leads to judgment that leads to a whole lot of regret. And so we have seen the voice of condemnation, the voice of separation, the voice of lamentation. It's time for the voice of celebration, number four on your outline. Uh, Just verse 20. Rejoice over her, O heavens, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. As we've seen already in Revelation, now the saints are encouraged to come unglued in rejoicing and celebration. Once again, this time, on what God the Father has done. God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, all of them. What they have done, because they have won. In contrast to the lamenting of those in the previous verses, God's people rejoice. They have been vindicated. God's righteousness and judgment have prevailed. His justice has prevailed. And so finally we see the voice of summation. The voice of summation. Verses 21-24. through Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea saying, Thus with violence the great city of Babylon shall be thrown down. And shall not be found anymore. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman or any craft will be found in you anymore. The sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of a lamp shall not, be, shall not shine in you anymore. And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints and of all who were slain on the earth. So this last testimony, it sums up the fate of Babylon. Both luxuries and necessities are done away with for those who oppose God. No more music, no more manufacturing, no more work, no more weddings. Notice that that repeated phrase, shall not be heard or found or shine in you anymore it's repeated for emphasis this is the end result this is the psalm this is the consummation the final result for the antichrist and those who worship him and follow after his rebellion it has been destroyed so at this point in our timeline of of revelation all that remains is for Jesus to personally come from heaven and defeat the beast and his armies and establish his righteous kingdom on earth. And so in chapter 18, we hear the voice of condemnation, the voice of separation, the voice voice of lamentation, the voice of celebration, and the voice of summation. So as we begin to close, a few questions for us to consider. Where does your citizenship reside the kingdom of earth or the kingdom of heaven in babylon or the new jerusalem a pretty good picture has been painted throughout the last weeks in babylon of babylon what's included idolatry and pride and selfishness and self-indulgence The kingdom of earth. These are all synonymous with citizenship in Babylon. Do we see any of these in our own lives? Are there any idols in our lives? Is there any rebellion in our lives? Who or what are we truly living for? Are there any weeds of pride that we've allowed to grow in any areas of our lives? See, because Babylon says it's all about me. But heaven says, no, it's all about Jesus. Have selfish desires taken over your heart? Or do you, through the working of the Holy Spirit within you, keep those in check? Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes as we uh, go into a, a time of invitation, inviting God to have His way in our hearts? Of all these questions... Which one stings the most? Because that's the one that God's probably trying to work with you on. What has he said to you through his word? And what are you going to do about it?